Blog Talk Radio. Chillin' the Dupanesia Sea Islands from Jacksonville, North Kakalaka to Jacksonville, Florida, where the gullah get you to be. Now, honey, chillin' done no. This year the we show, Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. This year the head upon the body of the Gullah Geechee Nation. This year the Queen Quet, honey, hostess for this year Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio Station. So glad that the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition still got them going on the sponsor this year program, where we the geek upliftment to the living legacy and the pay ancestral homage. This evening, we to dedicate this year program to Brother James Porter, who hunted chillin' yeti me and cracked my teeth out last week with the other rest of man we've been with in Savannah, Georgia. And we will make sure to dedicate this year program because it's been all this year time, all this year time, since then we get in Savannah, been to take place here steady. So we're so glad if I had this year program this evening, but still be about Gullah Geechee land and legacy. So, but make sure, honey, in the family and things like that around the world, y'all stand with me and crack my teeth out the seat and anything like that. We're going to change up and do it like this so that all of you can under and understand all the words that are such a vital part of the continuation of this program on Gullah Geechee land and legacy. Most of you are well aware that the Gullah Geechee Nation exists from Jacksonville, North Carolina to Jacksonville, Florida, it encompasses all of what are called the sea islands here in the Atlantic Ocean and 30 to 35 miles inland 
to the St. John's River. If you are not familiar with the Gullah Geechee Nation, this is your first time tuning into the broadcast or you just want to gain some more knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, please go to www.gullahgeechination.com. All right, www.gullahgeechination.com. So the Gullah Geechee Nation has been in existence since the time of chattel enslavement in and on the Sea Islands and what are called the Low Country of Carolina and Georgia and northeastern Florida. However, when people were writing of our ancestors during chattel enslavement in the U.S. or the colonies, they wrote of us even as to our nation within a nation. At that time, there were not yet all of the legal statutes that even established what called the United States of America were not in place. Initially, there was no Declaration of Independence. There was no Constitution, much less there wasn't a place for the international global arena to have another layer of law and statutes called the United Nations. So within the context of the time, when they mentioned to a nation within a nation, they were looking at what had globally taken place where you had large masses of people governing themselves, having their own system of operation, their own culture, their own economic base, and so forth, on the particular landmass where they reside. So coming here to this coast, even during the transatlantic slave trade, was largely an African coast. And so one might call it a cultural landscape today that has been etched out by our ancestors who, although were Ibo, Mandinka, Malinke, Yoruba, Gola, Gizi, Mendi, Temni, Fiki, Bivio in terms of the African realm, and they were Kasavo, Cree, Yemasi, Adisto, and so forth in terms of the indigenous American realm, these folks etched out a cultural landscape that unto this day is being studied it's now being lectured about. It's being depicted in not only films but in paintings. People are now grasping that this land mass itself and the way in which it is constructed today owes it to the labor force that made it such. And those are Gullah Geechee ancestors not only using the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding and skill set, as we would call it today, that was brought from Al-Kebulan to this land, but then combining it with the wisdom of the lay of the land and the dynamics of even the climate on this part of the world that they got from their indigenous ancestors. I am a product of people who are both Native American or indigenous American and African Gullah Geechee. And so when I speak of our people, I speak of both sets, if you want to just classify in groups, Africans and Native Americans, indigenous people. Gullah Geechee culture evolved here on these sea islands, and thus it is indigenous to these sea islands and what is called a low country, or what in totality is the Gullah Geechee nation. So when we start to look at things today, and we start to talk about Gullah Geechee land ownership as I led you through a series of historic documents on the first part. Let's pick up 
from there and bring you forward into the human rights dynamics of today that the Gullah Geechee Nations leaders, the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition have been fighting for to maintain since the establishment of these statutes and these laws that exist not only on the local level but on the state and the federal level. And it is not only pertinent today because of what we commemorated on yesterday, but also it is pertinent today because in two days, land taxes, property taxes throughout the Gullah Geechee Nation are due. The bills came back in November, but the due date is January 15th each and every year. And if you don't pay it then, February the 1st, there's already a a penalty added to it. There's a late fee essentially added to it. Then if you don't pay it by the end of February, there is more assessed and added to it. So you have all the way until August when all these penalties and fees get added onto that land, and then next by October is when there's the sheriff's sale and auction that I touched on last Monday night in the discussion. Well, the reason I wanted to proceed forward tonight with a topic such as more than 40 acres in a mule is because I don't want to chill on yet. If people are cracking teeth, say 40 acres in a mule, I want my 40 acres in a mule, I be done, get them, and things like that, and buckle them teeth for me again, we all of these kind of thing. And then you heard Spike Lee, the filmmaker, turn around and name his company 40 acres in a mule. And I don't even know if at the time he did that, that he was aware of his family's history in Georgia, but he has since found that out. He has also shot a documentary here the same day that I was being shot uh, in a documentary that is called The Rise and Fall of Jim Crow here on St. Helena Island in South Carolina by someone who works very closely with Spike Lee on every film he's ever done. Spike Lee was actually on St. Simon's Island in Georgia shooting a documentary of Jim Brown. Now, Jim Brown and I also got to meet up for the will to survive the story of the Gullah Geechee Nation in California. And one of the things that we have in common is holding on to family land that we have been made heirs of. And so although Jim Brown lives in California, has for many, many years now, it's been quite some time, he still make sure that the family land is kept and his daughter and those make sure that they keep that land. So when we talk about keeping land, it's not a simple process because not everyone has hundreds to thousands to tens of thousands of dollars to pay for land taxes each and every year. However, as we discussed last week, this was and is the critical thing that we must maintain as an asset if we are to under and overstand maintaining a legacy of our culture, because you need land to be able to sustain yourselves on it. So one of the men that had this kind of vision, that under and overstood this, although he had been born during the time of enslavement, was James Porter, God bless the dead. In 1826, James Porter was born in Charleston, South Carolina, Charleston, South Kakalaki. Now, in his case, it was the time of chattel enslavement, but he was not enslaved because his parents were not enslaved at the time of his birth. His parents then decided that they would try to dedicate his life, all right, to him 
being a missionary, so a religious person, someone to proselytize to others, tell of Jesus Christ. But now he ended up having an accident, and that left him crippled. So he continued to study a lot of different things in books since he had some other physical problems going on. So he educated himself in a number of different languages. He also studied music. He sang. He wanted to learn a lot of what people would call the cultured things of life. And so as a result, this led to him eventually going to Savannah, Georgia. Because y'all said, well, wow, we didn't realize. I mean, if he was one of the preachers and one of the folks that was there in Savannah when there was this famous meeting that happened, well, how he came from Charleston to Savannah during that time. Well, it was because of music, ended up migrating. Y'all all know, and some musicians, y'all listen to my show. I also lead my group, The Gullah Connection. We travel, especially to share the gift that the Creator has given you through music with many others. And so he ended up there. And, you know, black folks somehow have always been able to make themselves in, put in a better condition through music. While enslaved, after enslavement, also financially, many of us have been able to improve our lot in life, so to speak, through music. Just by keeping stress out your life, or if you're that good, somebody will pay you to hear you play. All right? So now here it is that in 1855, a mission for what they call urban blacks was founded in Savannah. Now, it was a Reverend Sherrod Kennelly who was part of founding that. So music was one of the things that they definitely wanted to be taught at this school. And so Reverend Kennelly was the one that had heard about Porter, had heard him play, thought he was exceptional, thought he was an aficionado. He then and his wife Elizabeth, uh, well, they then asked for Porter to come, and Porter and his wife Elizabeth moved to Savannah in 1856, okay, so now, as he continued in musicianship, that did not make him not be involved in the religious sect nor in the secular sect as people would do it today. But actually, all of life is sacred and all aspects of what we're living in are sacred, especially when we're dealing with land. So... As he continued, he went on with the church. He started to be a part of St. Stephen's Church. He was a senior warden within the church. And so then that led to the January 12, 1865 meeting of the 22, 23 black preachers that ended up meeting with William Tecumseh Sherman and Rufus Saxton in Savannah, Georgia that then led, as I mentioned last week, to William Tecumseh Sherman's issuance of Special Field Order Number 15. So here it is that we have someone who has, as some might say, handicaps or disabilities that still involved himself in what now today would be looked at as the political arena or looked more at as in the well-being and the holistic life of his people. He didn't let his physical inability hold him back 
from being there to make the statement and make it clear and make it plain that the best thing for his people would be for us to have land and to live on that land, work the land ourselves, and live independently there just amongst our own people. Without the Barker and the day, they would have no children. So that is when Special Field Order Number 15 came into being a few days after this meeting. So when this field order went out, it now led to what people call 40 acres and a mule because in the field order, although there was no mule mentioned, decommissioned goods were allowed from the union. So that meant the workhorses and the mules that were used to build forts and the plow land and to repair things during the U.S. Civil War were now going to be available that the people could take as well as them going ahead and taking over which portions, 40 acres or so of land that they each would want. Now, many of us know Special Field Order 15, various other things that happened through the Freedmen's Bureau, which we'll be getting to once again this year on this broadcast. And we talked about in previous broadcasts. You can just Google that and look it up, Queen Quet Freedmen's Bureau or Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio and Freedmen's Bureau. And there were a number of different transactions that took place that led to our people in the Gullah Geechee Nation going from being chattel property to owning property and then being seen as freedmen, people who were no longer in bondage and enslaved and thereby by law could not be owned by another human being. But so now, again, Y'all might say, well, he had the mind toward freedom because he never had been enslaved. Well, he could have also had the mind to not pay that any mind. The day ain't none of my business. Let them other people have to fight their battle. But his people were his people. So here it is. We are all literally in the same boat. And they now could be on the same islands as the sea islands of the Gullah Geechee Nation were declared a place on which the formerly enslaved African people now would be able to fend for themselves and have land, okay? This land has been confiscated. Listen to part one, and you get the full background on that. Now, the reason I wanted to dedicate this show to Porter tonight and talk about his story is not only because I was spiritually led to find out more about his particular background out of being in that group of preachers, but also because he ended up fighting for other things. He wanted to have a a board for black equality in Georgia. He fought for many different They never let him rise higher than the position that he had already had as warden within the church that he was a part of. All right? He continued to play music. He opened an eighth-grade private school in order to educate black males in Savannah, Georgia. And he ended up with about 450 young men there. It was at Brian's trade office at that time. He became someone that was well-known in regard to education. And then he continued on to be the principal for the first public school for blacks in Savannah, which opened up in 1878, all right? And so the Scarborough Mansion was able to be a place for this. 
So now this man continued to educate himself, but that made him also continue to work in the political realm. In 1866, he became part of this Negro Rights Association in Georgia to discuss and increase the political and civil rights of Negroes in Georgia. He was, there was a, a board of trustees and elected superintendent so that they could establish more schools for the black people at that time. So as this continued forward, you have this Charleston-born man making his story right in the heart of the city of Savannah, Georgia. He then went on from there to be elected to the legislature, and he also introduced a number of bills to secure and protect rights for the black community because he wanted to make sure that they always had their rights intact. If they were to be landowners, they needed to also have protection over the ownership of what they had. Okay, If they were to be considered now no longer chattel, then they should have rights as other human beings had. And so he eventually got ordained uh, as well as a minister, and so he continued to use all of the skill sets that God had given him. Ended up going to Canada, Bermuda, New York, and Florida throughout his ministry in music, throughout his political work, and throughout, I'm sure, doing what he had to do to bless the people and to raise the consciousness of his own people because he never stopped being involved with seeking the rights of our people. Well, as a result, this man's name has not been taught to us in schools. This man's name hasn't been put on any buildings and so on because no doubt he was seen as radical for his time frame, and for him to stand up and speak truth to power at the time in which he was doing it was not normally heard of. It wasn't, say, commonplace, shall we say, for him to just do this consistently, being a person of African descent. So now we step from the realm that he was in of seeking civil rights to the realm of human rights. Because when we start to talk about land and land ownership, who is residing on the land becomes a critical component. Now, he's back in the 1800s fighting for the rights of black people on the sea islands in the low country, which is today the Gullah Geechee Nation. They are fighting to have land rights and land ownership. They're fighting to have the civil rights protected on there during an era that we end up in called the Jim Crow era, which led, of course, to segregation and the Jim Crow laws. Well, step forward in time to the year 2007. I'll let you do the math on that. But step forward in time to 2007. This is when the United Nations declares, actually goes ahead and adopts the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. As you heard me mention earlier, Gullah Geechee culture is indigenous to the Gullah Geechee Nation. It was not birthed in Africa. It was not birthed somewhere else. It was birthed 
in the Gullah Geechee Nation on the Sea Islands. This culture grew, evolved, the language, the food, ways, the traditions, all were an amalgamation of other cultural groups coming together on this land, henceforth becoming a national, ethnic, and linguistic minority group, an indigenous group to North America, to the United States of America. But now, when we start to talk about the context of the rights of indigenous people or the rights of minorities, quote-unquote, to land, then that's when the complexities get in there. That's when some folks want to turn their head, don't want to give these categorizations. They normally give categorizations, and now they do not want to do that because now they would have to be held accountable to once again protecting the rights, but this time the human rights of these people on the land. So once again, where we have people standing up for the rights of our people that have been for years, and this not being taught in school, it's no different than James Porter's name not being taught in school. It's no different than most people never having heard of that meeting that took place in Savannah, Georgia, with the 22 to 23 preachers, and them making it very clear, very plain, that the best thing for our people is give us land and leave us alone. Let us toil and till the land as best we can. And so people have not forgotten, though, that there was this field order. Most don't remember it as special field order 15. They can only say now 40 acres and a mule because that's what people reduced it to in summary in our communities, that it was supposed to be 40 acres of land, and they knew they would at least need a mule to work the land because you didn't want just the people breaking down, working there, or trying to be in bondage to the land. But one thing is true. We are inextricably tied to this land as Gullah Geechis. So it goes beyond just the 40 acres and a mule to the family history, the family legacy, and the dynamics of what goes into keeping that land today. Now let me just get into a little bit of the human rights dynamics of why go to the United Nations, and I am on the directorate of the International Human Rights Association for American Minorities. I've also been on the directorate of the Human Rights Council, International Human Rights Council. Now, here it is that when we look at the Declaration of People on the Rights of Indigenous People, the Declaration sets out the individual and collective rights for indigenous people the rights to culture, identity, language, employment, health, education, and many other things. In that context, they also talk about not displacing the people from their own land, all right? The goal of the Declaration was to encourage countries to work with the indigenous people to solve global issues, which include development, real development of their culture, of their communities, at, with the people doing that themselves, not the displacement of the people for somebody to build something for recreation. Multicultural democracy and decentralization. So they also wanted that the indigenous people would be able to protect their cultural heritage and other aspects of their culture and tradition, which are extremely important in preserving heritage. 
So for Gullah Geechee's, what's extremely important in preserving heritage, land, and legacy, all right, we can only keep our heritage together through having land so we can continue our legacy as who we to be down young. So when we start to go into these types of dynamics of law and we go to the level of human rights law, we need to recognize that first there is such a thing as an international law. And I want to read from this particular international law for you and then come back down to the local level of what's going on down here and things like that. We're holding fun, the land. We're plenty of family and things still are there for more than 40 acres, but don't rock up in the leave peace. So now, affirming also that all people contribute to the diversity and richness of civilizations and cultures which constitute the common heritage of humankind, affirming further that all doctrines, policies, and practices based on advocating superiority of peoples or individuals on the basis of national origin or racial, religious, ethnic, or cultural differences are racist, scientifically false, legally invalid, morally condemnable, and socially unjust, reaffirming that indigenous peoples in the exercise of their rights should be free from discrimination of any kind, Concerned that indigenous peoples have suffered from historic injustices as a result of entirely of their colonization and dispossession of their lands, territories, and resources, thus preventing them from exercising in particular their right to development in accordance with their own needs and interests recognizing the urgent need to respect and promote the inherent rights of indigenous people which derive from their political, economic, and social structures and from their cultures, spiritual traditions, histories, and philosophies, especially their rights to their lands, territories, and resources. Let me say that part again. Recognizing the urgent need to respect and promote the inherent rights of indigenous peoples which derive from their political, economic, and social structures and from their cultures, spiritual traditions, histories, and philosophies, especially their rights to their lands, territories, and resources. Recognizing also the urgent need to respect and promote the rights of indigenous peoples affirmed in treaties, agreements, and other constructive arrangements with states, welcoming the fact that indigenous peoples are organizing themselves for political, economic, social, and cultural enhancement and in order to bring to an end all forms of discrimination and oppression wherever they occur. Convinced that control by indigenous people over developments affecting them and their lands, territories, and resources will enable them to maintain and strengthen their institutions, cultures, and traditions and promote their development in accordance with their aspirations and needs, recognizing that respect for indigenous knowledge, cultures, and traditional practices contributes to sustainable and equitable development and proper management of the environment emphasizing the contribution of the demilitarization of the lands and territories of indigenous peoples to peace, economic, and social progress, and development, understanding, and friendly relations among nations and peoples of the world. Now, this goes on. This declaration on the rights of indigenous people goes on beyond that point. It has numerous articles that are part of it. 
but I wanted to read this first opening set of paragraphs because you've heard how many times land has been mentioned, resources have been mentioned. Land and waterways are resources. They are assets. They have been. They always will be. This is why people invade other people's lands, is to take their resources, whether that's the mental human resource, like we were extracted from Mother Africa and called black gold, or whether that are the mineral resources, as in the extraction of the diamonds and the gold that we still going see going on in Mother Africa today, in Al-Kivulan today. Or they are extracting out of our waterways here in the Gullah Geechee Nation and then make it more difficult for Gullah Geechee families to continue their economic base through seafood and waterway production of their own. These types of things, people coming into your community, taking out the environmental resources, including the healing herbs and the healing barks from the trees that were there, and then leaving you to have to rely on their practice of medicine as opposed to your living in healing. So these are critical things that when you are an indigenous person that is, and it is etched within your soul and it is part of the collective consciousness of your village, your compound, your community, you will continue to see your way clear to standing up to fight for the rights of having land and then control over that resource on the land and the environment in which your people yet live not by going into deals with others to come in and pilfer this from where you are, but what can you do to better enhance the quality of life where you are? So now when we talk about bringing it down to more of a localized level, from an international law standpoint, you deal with federal laws, you deal with state laws, you deal with county laws, you deal with city and town laws if in the regard to paying taxes. So when you pay taxes, these are supposed to be the collective gathering of funds that are supposed to now provide institutions within your community and provide services within your community. So when I say institutions such as we have a library on St. Helena Island, that took a fight for that library to be there. That library didn't just suddenly mysteriously appear. We didn't do V-Witch, Twink the Nose. We had to get into a political fight with people to say it is our right to have this kind of institution, state-of-the-art institution, on St. Helena Island here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. That's not the right of others who moved in just because somebody has the money to give a million-dollar donation or something to say, oh, well, I'll, let's have a library here and only where I live with my name on it and let everybody go there. No, it's supposed to be a public system with those taxes being used. The same thing with the educational system. Educational system is your tax dollars at work. So you have a right to go in and out of schools. You have a right to educate your children for free. You have a right to make sure that they're getting the education, that the people in the classroom ain't just sitting up there just collecting a check, okay, and then denigrating your children because they don't understand or understand the cultural group that they have entered into and that they're making money from. So here you hear within this document, even at the human rights level, that they recognize that there should be these types of institutions, there should be environmental things, but all these things should be in the hands of the particular cultural group. 
Well, I'm not putting nothing in your hands if I don't think that you're going to take good care of it. So we have to prove that as people of one nation, of the Gullah Geechee Nation, that we have the capacity to collectively continue to maintain this land ownership by supporting one another in doing so. There was a time when people did fish fries, either in the yard or if they were in apartments even in the city and they were Gullah Geechee, rent parties they were called then, we collectively gave money into that by even showing up to support. Even if you didn't want to eat the food, you bought a plate of dinner or you just went on and gave something and said, I know why you're having this, go on and take that money, go on and keep that change. But now people have become self-centered, selfish, and then they do not focus on what it took collectively to own land, as I mentioned earlier in Gullah, that has been parceled off into tiny pieces. Many of the lands that people say, was well, my land now, you have a deed to it because you became an heir to this land that was declared as part of the special field order number 15, that was part of those confiscation acts, and was part of auctions that then one of your ancestors in the 1800s stepped forth and paid for. And although one hand went in the air at the auction, that hand represented an entire family of people. And them putting together, in most cases, compounding their resources, their nickels, their pennies, their dimes, and their quarters. So today, I can tell you, I shocked the bank with bringing in nickels, dimes, pennies, and quarters today to deposit because I continue to believe that this is a way that our ancestors saved. They say a penny saved, a penny earned. When you have the mindset that every penny counts, these are the things that can go toward the future of your family the same way our ancestors had that mother with for do the same thing like a yona with them yes and John thing like a daddy with it took down the floor and all kind of the rest of the thing. So they had the forethought to think of you to leave this land's a legacy. They didn't do what people do today. I don't want no penny back. No, I want every penny. If it's due to me, give it to me. And so that I can save it. And that can become part of an inheritance for my children's children's children. When you invest in real estate, it is that, real. We talk about keeping it real, let's keep it real. The reality is that it is the collective unit that has continued to allow these family compounds to thrive and to survive in the Gullah Geechee Nation. And until we have a collective consciousness among us to get back to that and get back to that way of living, there's going to be more people that come in and infiltrate and disrupt the ownership patterns amongst Gullah Geechis. And once you are displaced, trust me, you ain't coming back. You won't be able to afford to. And so the whole situation is such that we need to economically now empower ourselves on and from this land. Education is excellent if you utilize it for not only the upliftment of yourself, but the upliftment of others. You can have enough diplomas to line your wall with. It doesn't do much good when you don't have the common sense to go forward in time because they ain't going to let you pay your bills by those diplomas, but those diplomas left you with some more bills. So you need to be in a state of independence. 
You need to be in a state of economics, empowerment, economic empowerment at all times. And the best way that I've seen it happen is through collective resources, by us supporting one another in business, by us supporting one another's institutions, by us supporting one another's events, no matter how large or how small. If it's a house party and we all got to squeeze in one room, if it's that chip joint, if I need the oak tree, or if it's a huge, massive festival with 50,000 of us there, and we do have those kind of festivals here in the Gullah Geechee Nation, we need to make it our business to not just think of my little one acre out of 40 acres that my ancestors had, but go beyond the 40 acres. And most of y'all don't own no mule today, but you got two, three, four different cars with horse names on them. You need to go ahead and put your mind into investing in assets and wealth building. And when you do develop assets and wealth, such as land ownership, such as home ownership, improving your home, educating yourself consistently, educating your family, educating your community, investing in the businesses in your community, spending money amongst your own Gullah businesses. When you do all of this, keep in mind that when we started the show, I talked about legal statutes. When you're dead and gone, folks have to deal with some legal statutes. So the reason there are so many issues today over Gullah land ownership is because it became land of tenants in common, called heirs' property. That 40 acres now got divided amongst however many children that people be had when they're going for him. So if the wife or the husband, whoever died first, the spouse, and then the children became the owners of the land. For generations since, that's how this land has transferred down until we split it up. But nowadays, you can't just go down to the courthouse and say, oh, so-and-so dead, switch my name. No, that's why most of our deeds are still in heirs of somebody from 1800s to now because you need to probate if the person dies without a will nowadays. In order to change lands and properties and other things specifically into your name, you would have to go through a probate process. One might say, well, wow, do you have to do that all the time? Not if you had a will. And I know many of our people do not want to write wills, they don't think of estate planning because they think estates mean you have millions of dollars, lots of gold and diamonds and pearls to distribute, stocks, bonds, and everything. No, it doesn't mean you have to have all of that. If you got a half a piece of acre of land and a car, you already got an estate because when you pass on, that is going to be passed to somebody living. I ain't see a person yet dismantle a house and throw the boards in a grave. I ain't see nobody take nobody's car, drive toward the grave, and jump out and let it run into the hole. All that stuff somebody else is going to use when you're gone. I love playing Monopoly. I love board games. They're good for the mind. Not just as Internet games, but actual board games. I love playing Monopoly. But I heard a minister on television say one day, and someone instructed her, you know, life is like Monopoly. Because you're going to work for it, you're going to purchase all these things. But in the end, somebody else is going to play with them. Because, see, at the end of it all, goes back in the box with somebody else. So that's what having the 40 acres declared, but then our ancestors buying it at auction, putting you down as an heir, you were and their heirs. At the end of those deeds where it says and their heirs, you weren't born yet, you were in that and their heirs. When they put you into 
that legacy, they created an estate for the heirs, something to pass down. They expected all the heirs then to build on these lands, work the lands with their hands, as the preachers said, so that they could further improve the lands, they could make their own communities, they could establish their families within those communities, and they could establish their businesses within those communities. So even if you own a business, you need to have in your will who is to take over certain things if that's not in the bylaws of your company if you don't have a corporation. So these are all the different types of things that people need to do. There's some other tools that you can learn about from the Ayers Property Law Center. Just go to AyersPropertyLawCenter.com. You can learn a lot about LLCs, limited liability corporations, and how to establish them not just for your business but for your family so that you can place your family land into a legally binding operation that when you're gone, the family's heirs still end up keeping the land. And many of these family LLCs now are able to lease land and therefore sustain themselves economically each and every year so that when this time of year comes and the taxes are due, It's not a burden or a struggle to that one or two or five or ten individuals that had an under and overstanding true value of the asset that their ancestors had left. So let us not make it robbery the way that we treat the land, like we the teeth them and things like that from one another. But let me walk together, Chilla. Don't you get weary. Great camp meeting in the promised land. This should have we promised land. Think about it. January 12th, 1865, and we are in 2013. 2013, from January the 12th, 1865, almost 150 years ago, somebody was thinking about you, someone was thinking about me, and they left us land and expected that on it we would build a legacy. So definitely an honor of those preachers that met in Savannah, Georgia, on January 12, 1865. I definitely pay homage to them. I pay homage to them for having the insight to mother with and the wherewithal to stand up and speak up and stand out. I'm sure there were more than that amount of preachers of African descent at that time. But they took the time out to go and to gather and to speak up for their people. And I appreciate them unto this day for having done so. It is not an easy job to continue to be in the forefront of fighting for land. Because when you begin to fight for land, there is always an adversary. There are those who will threaten your life to own your land here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. I speak of what I know, not what I think. Many of our ancestors have died. Many of our elders died when these resorts started coming in to the Sea Islands because they would not sell what was their asset to be left for their heirs. They had built a legacy there on the land, here on the land, and they intended for their family to have an opportunity to add to that legacy. So next week, 
at this same time, 7 o'clock, right here on We Show, Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. I'll be continuing and concluding this three-part series on Gullah Geechee land and legacy. And I pray that you will go back and listen to part one so that you get an understanding of this meeting of the preachers that took place, but how we came to own land. And I pray that from the things I've mentioned tonight that you can see your way to getting together with your family and getting together with people within your community to further strengthen and support the work that goes on here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. You can also become a member of the sponsoring organization of this radio broadcast, no matter where you are in the world. And I must say that each and every day when you're consistently bombarded with requests for information and people wanting to know more about how you're doing, what you're doing, and then there's a silence when you do a fundraiser for land, like we still have our Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy Fundraiser going on Facebook. If you go to Gullah Geechee Nation's fan page, there's a box on the front that says give, a golden box. Click that box and you can donate. Still, we are still yet collecting money for the Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy Fund and the fundraising effort that we were doing last year. And in February, we'll be launching a whole new campaign for this year. But we pray that we would have already completed that campaign that we started because it was only under $600 short when the year concluded last year. But when we do fundraising, suddenly people go silent. But they always want to know how you do what you do. Well, I was blessed today by getting a letter or an email from England from some folks in the U.K., that supported one of our fundraising efforts some years back, you see, Island Coalition, that helped us to raise dollars and pounds <laughs> toward a computer in order to be able to sustain this work that we've done in educating our peoples and keeping this legacy going on the land. And to hear that my young sister Asha had graduated the highest in her studies in that country, and I was very proud because a mother wrote to me to let me know, said, I don't know if you remember us, I'll never forget them. And they had come to hear me speak, and when I went back to England, they took me around Liverpool and showed me a lot of the dynamics of what had gone on there due to displacement of their peoples from their communities. And she then wanted me to know that somehow my words, for whatever reason, the first night they heard me speak, had touched her daughter, moved her daughter, and her daughter always held on to them. So I'm so proud of her now for graduating with honors. And so you never know what a difference a day makes, but you never know what difference some words can make in someone's life to encourage them to keep on. So as hostess of Gully Get Your Rhythm Radio, I pray that these words have helped you to continue to go on and grow on, especially if you're a Gullah Geechee tuning in, wondering what legacy you can leave on your land. I pray that this encourages you that you do have that ability and that you will do so. So make sure to keep up with our blog that also provides you some historic documentation behind each of these broadcasts. Just go to GullahGeecheeNation.com and also to be part of the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, go to GullahGeechee.net and you can also email us to G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at AOL.com GoGeeko at AmericaOnline.com We have also 
launched our store that has many books in it that can tell you more about the history and heritage of Gullah Geechee culture here in the Gullah Geechee Nation, just go to gullahgeechee.biz, G-U-L-L-A-H-G-E-E-C-H-E-E, Gullah Geechee, all right, dot B-I-Z, Gullah Geechee, dot N-E-T, and get prepared for our celebration this year, go to gullahgeechee.info so you can get information on the Gullah Geechee Nation International Music and Movement Festival where you will actually get to see our legacy lived out on this land. So we pray that you will be here in August with us as we continue to take a stand and to fight for Gullah Geechee land and legacy. And these few remaining minutes, we're going to do what we do each and every Monday night. We're going to open up the phone lines, 347 324 3903 347 324 3903 and thank you thank you for all the hunter chilling with the in the chat room and thing like that I see the hunter chilling joined we the night and thing I see some folks been on the line I guess they get scared of snow when I say I'm about to open the phone line they, they hang up from the phone line but that's all right again the number is 347-324-3903 if you have a question about Gullah Geechee land and legacy but I'm very pleased that all of you have continued to join us, and we're pushing closer and closer to this huge mark of all of you around the world that listen to the show. Bear in mind that you can always go to iTunes and download the show for free, and you can also always find us at blogtalkradio.com slash Gullah Geechee. 817-724, I knock in front of the door. 817-724, how hundred to do this evening? How you doing, Quinn? Quinn? I'm good. Peace and blessings. I'm doing well. How you doing, my brother? I'm doing I'm doing good. Just checking you out out here in Texas. Seeing what the government oh. all about. All right, glad if you that what part of Texas you in? Uh Fort Worth. Fort Worth, okay, that's one part I haven't yet been to, but I intend to get there. So definitely yeah. did you have any questions for us tonight or are you just tuning into the broadcast for the first time? Well, I, I I catch you every now and then, and I, I download a lot of your shows, and I I check you out on um on YouTube. So I right. try, I just be, be following you, trying to get a lot more knowledge. You know, see see, see where I'm at, where my people at. Excellent. I I'm glad if it yet that because it's always about trying to reconnect the family. So at some point you got to come this way, and I know I'll be riding my horse if I have to to get back out to Texas. Texas is always showing me a lot of love from the first time I set foot there. So I enjoy coming out that way. So definitely you got to come this way at some point, and you can see us in person, all them folks you don't watch on Gullah Geechee TV and who wanted the Yeti Boat Show on Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. I sure appreciate you supporting the broadcast. Yes, ma'am. All right, peace and blessings. Peace. Oh, it's excellent to know folks is out there listening. They make you know that your living is not in vain, the work is not in vain, and that we our connections are still very strong. We do have a lot of Gullah Geechis that are out in Texas. Many of y'all may not be aware of that, but even from the 1800s, we had people that migrated out to Texas by force, because and through battling, made their way westward. Some of them still reside in Texas, some in Brackenville, Texas, and various other parts now, as well as some that were in Nacimiento, Mexico, 
and there's many in Oklahoma that still can crack your teeth like a dish and thing like a daddy. Or the other rest of the elders been want to leave children for no half for doing, but they ain't no half for doing no more. And so a lot of the family would tell me when I go out to Texas, you know what? We're Geechee because um, my great-great-grandmother supposedly came from Carolina out here, but we just don't know how to speak the language. And so I'm glad to know that we got brothers and sisters that are tuning in not only to the radio broadcast, but definitely to Gullah Geechee TV. And if you have not heard or heard about or seen Gullah Geechee TV and you say, well, why do you say YouTube? Yes, because we also have Gullah Geechee TV on YouTube. Just look up Queen Quet, Q-U-E-E-N. Q-U-E-T, or Gullah Geechee TV, or you can go to www.gullahgeechee.tv and also watch the broadcast there. And if you're on Facebook, you can become a fan of Gullah Geechee TV, Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio, the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, and the Gullah Geechee Nation. And I also have a fan that set up sort of a fan page for me, uh, which is called Queen Quet as the head of state for the Gullah Geechee Nation. So definitely, if you're looking up, looking me up otherwise, go to www.queenquet.com. So it has definitely been a blessing for me to be able to talk about one of the topics that's so near and dear to my heart and something I fight for each and every day is Gullah Geechee land and legacy. And I pray that wherever Hunter to be, that Hunter got joined we and support all of what is going on. This year, the Gullah Connection is going out on our world tour starting next month. We will start up our Gullah Geechee Land and Legacy World Tour. So if you're interested in sponsoring us coming to your town, your city, your group, your oak tree, all right, then make sure to send an email to G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at A-O-L dot com, G-U-L-L-C-O at AOL.com or go to QueenQuet.com and definitely send in an email. But I'm so glad that Hunter Chillin to join me one more again for this year thing about Gullah Geechee land and legacy. Hunter Chillin know this year the who me be QueenQuet, head from the body of the Gullah Geechee Nation. So glad that Hunter tune in one more again for we show Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. Who upon your land will ever want to stand this year that we please for make out who you be and for leave we next generation a rich legacy. <laughs> 